0: Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. And make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And now the learning begins in three, two, one. welcome to the infused classroom podcast where each episode tanya abrith and holly clark take you behind the scenes with leaders in education give you insights into what's happening in classrooms
1: around the globe and showcase online platforms that are disrupting education
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Infuse Classroom Podcast. We're so excited today. At least I am. I'm freaking out because I have two of my favorite people on this podcast. But first, I want to introduce myself. I'm Holly Clark. And I'm Tanya Averath, and so thrilled about today's guest's and so I would like to introduce to you Bryn Stothard and David Hotler. So we're super honored to have these two international educators who are doing amazing things in their school. So Bryn, why don't you start and tell us where you are and a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, so I work in Frankfurt in a place called Oboezil, just outside of Frankfurt. And our school has got about 1,500 kids. And we do something called the International Baccalaureate Program. And we also part of... Uh, something called MIASC, uh which is an accreditation body, that which I've been doing the, this this last week, uh, and we're pioneering virtual reality uh, in the classroom and taking some of the things that VR let you do and trying to combine them with some of the emerging technologies. So that's kind of that's kind of where we are. We've been doing that for nearly two years now, working with VR.
2: I got the chance to present at your school and I brought David Hotler with me and because I would bring David Hotler anywhere I present if I could. And David got to see what you're doing. And David, um, tell us about you and how you got connected with VR.
0: I'm at the American School of Madrid, like you said, and we are as well an IBE school. Just like you said, I had a nice time in Frankfurt visiting with you and Bryn and fell in love with uh, the first instance I did of VR. It just blew my mind. And I came back and I told my principal, I said I've, I've done something that changes everything, and I have to show you. And he said, "Wow, okay." So we flew Bryn to our school for what did we have you? I think two days. And he he brought his whole VR kit, his portable HTC Vive kit, and we got to play around with it. And uh, our a few members of our board and a bunch of students and several teachers all had the opportunity to basically get the experience that I had. And with everyone's mind sufficiently blown, we went ahead and invested as well. So we're sort of tagging behind Bryn and picking up the best of what he's figuring out and trying to use that as well and sort of playing with our own methods as well for using VR.
2: And two minds are always greater than one. So I'm sure the two of you are coming up with great stuff. But Brian, can you explain what HTC Vive is? Because a lot of people here are using Google Cardboard, but might not know what this is.
1: Okay, so the the Vive or the Oculus Rift, or uh, you probably had a PlayStation VR. And, and some of these more kind of expensive and more high tech headsets, what they'll allow you to do, rather than VR being a fairly static experience where you you basically you can turn around in three hundred and sixty degrees, uh, the the Vive and the Rift and things like that will allow you to move around the room, so you you can truly you know interact with the environment that you're in. The handsets as well, uh, you can you can basically like some of the some of the the apps that I use in geography, for for example, Google Earth VR. You can literally go anywhere on Earth. Uh, And it feels a bit like Superman when you're flying around. Uh, So that's the difference, really, in a nutshell. I think when we, last time I said about uh, video games, about kind of Mario, right? Like Mm -hmm. Mario, you run along the screen and you've got some limited options about where you're going to go. You can go down a a pipe or you can kind of eat a mushroom and jump up in the air. Uh, But it's fairly linear. and, And pretty much that's the way that, Like even the best bits of Google Cardboard are are pretty linear. Uh, And with Google Earth, it's more, it's open world. So it's Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption or a video game like that, where you can literally go anywhere you want.
0: The way I like to describe it is Google Expeditions, Google Earth, most of what you see VR, AR on your phone is fixed point. So your, your perspective is a fixed point in space and you can look around in that point. And then HTC Vive is like that scene in The Matrix when Neo discovers that he's the one and like everything slowly turns from what we see with our eyes to like all the ones and the zeros that like crawl all over the walls. Mm -hmm. And basically he realizes that his whole world is this digital reproduction put before his eyes. That's what it is. Only it doesn't have to be the room you're standing in and you can transport yourself like Bryn said to be floating in front of the globe and look up and look down and all around you and see this globe and have a complete control of it in your hands. You can paint things. There's skydiving apps. We have games that challenge your coordination and listening skills. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's absolutely mind blowing VR. It's the VR we dreamed of in the eighties when we saw those big red goggles that people would put on and, and saw these clunky games that they played. And we thought, this is amazing. It's that time what we
1: wanted it to
2: be. Is it like ready player one VR?
1: Yes, exactly.
2: Oh, that's awesome. But
1: they, yeah. they, like For education. From, an, from an education point of view, what it, what it does. Um, if you think about Google Cardboard and, and the, some of the, the, the more less expensive headsets, they're, they're about consuming, right? Like the kids mm. are essentially consuming information. Yeah. Whereas with the, the more expensive headsets and the more advanced headsets. And they could, like David said, they can paint into Google tilt brush yeah. and they become, they become producers of the information rather than consumers. And experiences. Uh, I separate the apps in the three categories,
0: experience, creation, and exploration, but sorry, Brent, I cut you off.
1: No, that's no, absolutely right. Uh, and, and actually I think where, where it will make a huge difference in the, in the future is those, three areas but for me i i think that the most exciting thing is the the area where they can produce things and, and where they can produce things across disciplines as well i think that's kind of the potential well, of that is crazy it's gonna be new new things we've never seen before
0: And what are some of the things you're seeing the students produce
1: so so if you when you have a headset and you have the students consume things the next as an educator the next thing is like well like, what could we use this to actually make? And so there's apps, like like I said, Google Tiltbrush, where they can make things in there. And then they've made something in Google Tiltbrush, and then you think, right, uh, like, what can we do with that? Because that's not a real-world object, right? They've painted something or they've sculpted something in, in VR. So how can we take that? Can we pull that out of Tiltbrush and can we make it real? So then you'd look at 3D printing. And then if you've got something – and then you go the other way. So you've got something that's real – and you want to put it in Tilt Brush, how do you do that? So you can do 3D scanning, right? And so then you know, I... you've, got the, you've got this thing in Tilt Brush and it doesn't have all the functionality that you want. You think, well, now I've got that object as a digital file. I can put it into Unity, which is a game creation software. Uh, and so you have kids doing all – and you pull in kids from different disciplines as well. You've got different skill sets, and you're having them like, really do authentic – uh, and innovative learning—that's that's where, that, like, that's what I've been focusing on this year. Uh, and then still doing all of the the other kind of VR stuff as well, uh, making sure that the kids get these completely different and unique experiences. But I think that in the next maybe two, three, four years, you'll see more schools doing stuff like that, where they're pulling uh, different technologies and different uh, ideas uh, that probably have never not been thought of yet, or at least not in a high school.
2: So I want to say something to the listeners because we, you guys, and I know Tanya probably is not understanding this. You guys and I've seen Tilt Brush, so I know what's happening there. And so I want to explain to the listeners what Tilt Brush is, and I, maybe you guys could explain it better. But from a layman's term, um, a kid is taking a brush or spraying art around in a in a, a immersive environment where they're creating something using some of the tools in to, Tilt Brush, which might look like Photoshop but just you're doing it immersively. So you're spraying stars around or you're doing things like that. Can you guys define that better?
0: The way I usually describe it to people is like you're spray painting, but the paint stays right where you spray it and you can walk around it as you're done. But the spray paint can can spit out different shapes and colors and even materials. Um, You can make your, your brushes react to sound (laughs) <laughs> um yeah I mean to sit and talk about just one app, app in VR is is almost too reviewy uh yeah. sometimes what I do I will, I will spend almost an hour just looking through the apps that are available because they're releasing them all the time and they're releasing updates it, it's almost it's almost difficult just to keep up with but when you start to talk about just the capability of one app and not how they all sort of start to fuse together or play into what you can do in conjunction with real life activities, um, it starts to really change the ball game. And then Brin's starting to touch on this. He's saying like, we're going to be combining technologies to make creations that we're not even thinking of right now. And so like wrapping our heads around what the kids are capable of creating based upon what they've experienced, it, it changes the way we, we evaluate what a student took away from something and also changes our own reality because of what you can produce inside of there and so quickly immerse yourself into. It's like engaging way more senses in school.
2: Wow. What what your like what's one what of your favorite things that you've seen kids do in this new VR that you're getting to experience? And what scares me is I hear you saying all these things like, oh, you can't believe the apps you could put together where there are so many schools who have not even experienced this before. And I feel totally behind right now because I'm using oh my God. <laughs> But um but I wanna say to you guys this. So uh, I've been talking about this a little bit, but we know that next year in twenty twenty five g on your phone is going to come out, and that's 600 times faster, which means the, wire, the Wi-Fi is going to be 150 times faster, and, and it's going to roll out pretty quickly, and it's going to be uh, um, in almost all countries like later when we talk, I want you to think about how is that 5g going to impact these things that you're saying to me right now. So, but let's go back to what are two of the coolest things from each of you or a couple of cool things that you've seen happening in your classrooms with this HTC vibe.
1: Something that came to mind is uh, there's an app called mind show, which allows uh, kids to set a scene up. uh, So they pick the, the background, they can pick the props uh, they can pick the the actors in the scene and they can pick all the different types of characters and actually you can pull them in uh, from uh, Google poly as well so they can design new characters and then in in Mindshow, they can they, they basically zoom into the character so the character that they 've designed if they look down at their own hands they 've got the hands of the character if they look in a mirror in in MindShare, they 've got the face of the character and they can express as well so one of the handsets will allow them to like uh, you know, be angry or sad or happy or whatever. And we, we did a, a thing last year uh, with our ESL students. So this, the English is second language students. So predominantly students from uh, you know Korea, Japan, uh, actually in our school, kind of all around the world. Um, and, and ordinarily getting them to act in, in their second language, particularly when they're just new to it is oh. awful, right? Like they, they would rather stick hot pins in their eyes than, than do acting um but because you put them in the headset they kind of and, and they, they can see that they're not themselves they can see this other character they kind of lose a lot of the inhibition so if you do scripting first uh, and because they, they're, they're planning out the, the environment and they're putting the props in and everything like it, that whole process kind of becomes fun and it takes away all the stress of speaking in a second language, which I'm sure like all three of us or four of us have done at some point, right? Where we've had to uh like go up to somebody in a restaurant or somebody at a hotel or something and order something in a second language and it and it's awful if you don't know what you're doing. So the so that was super successful and the like the impact of it, kids being able to uh kind of really express themselves in a in a language which ordinarily they wouldn't do in the classroom. Uh, so that was I think that's like super exciting. I, I have a, I could say like 28 things right now, but
0: I think the one thing that I'm most excited about is that I have a student who I don't want to say is a problem maker or anything, but I think he's the most challenging student for the teachers in the class. And, and and it's mainly because he expresses himself by getting up. He expresses himself by asking lots of questions. He's just, he's curious. He's moving. He's, he's the kind of kid that just doesn't sit still well. And that's not a bad thing. Um, and none of the teachers see it that way. But sometimes it, it's counter to the environment they're trying to create in their classroom. And so I've, I've had the student at my desk, the VR system that we have is set up right at my desk. I, if you say, if you walk up to me and say, I want to do VR, I can have you in VR in under two minutes with the computer having been turned off when you walked up. So he'll come up to my desk and I'll put him in VR and let him do something because generally it means he's finished with his work because he's you know he's a smart kid he gets through all his work and he turns into a different student it, he, when you go into vr or it's like you're put into a space where you have one distraction the only distraction is the thing that the app does and yeah there's other controls and yeah there's things you can do and you can explore and you can create but you don't have a phone you don't have a watch you're not hearing anything, the doors don't close, you wouldn't hear police sirens or a plane fly by. Like, you're completely immersed. And it's similar like you would be just sitting doing your homework and, and like, in the flow of doing work and you have your headphones listening to music. But even then, like someone can come up and tap on your shoulder. When you're in there, you're gone. You're in a completely different space. And he gets so much done inside of this space that he wouldn't normally get because he needs to take breaks and he needs to go and look for this or change that or do something. And no, when you throw him in VR, it's like, he has this infinite laser focus. And I think that's one of the most exciting things that I've seen. I could talk about all the cool apps for days on end, well, but I think go ahead. human interaction.
2: And, and and there are so many people who are not getting to experience what you guys are because of the, quite frankly, the funding that you have at these, um, schools. And so continue, like tell us some of the cool, other cool things.
0: We, we started using an app called nanome and nanome is an app that lets you place atoms in So it's a similar to think of like tilt brush. You're just in this open arena essentially. And your hands, one of them is, is sort of this like remote that allows you to add, subtract, change atoms that are in front of you. And your left hand is sort of like this, it's a hand, but like on it is this like panel that has controls. And when you press the buttons on your arm panel, bigger panels pop up in front of you. And a lot of them are like the periodic table of elements. And so you take your control hand with your little gun thing in it and you like pick carbon, for example, and you can out in space, like click a carbon and then select that carbon and click another carbon and and link the two together. And so you can start to build molecules and all of everything reacts the way it would in science. So if you build the right molecule, you can like mutate them with other molecules and you can build these super complex structures. Or you can go online to to databases that have these, like, Tylenol created, right? Like, you can download Tylenol and see what it looks like at the molecular level. And so one of the really cool things that we've done is we've had teachers do a formative assessment in a high-level IB uh, chemistry course where the students had to talk about complex... Oh, I'm going to get it wrong. so No, no, no. Like, I, I... I polymers or isomers or something insane structures and we use what's called mixed reality so we have the student stand in front of a green screen and i've tracked where the camera is in real life and i have placed a virtual camera in that spot with inside of a second app and then we broadcast the two feeds together the student in front of the green screen and the app itself and what you see is the student in the world not in our world, in the world, everything that was green is, is out and now we've overlaid the virtual world around them and they have to talk and for like 60 seconds. They're holding this big thing and they're zooming it in and out and they're pointing to stuff and they're saying, all right, this is the DNA strand that wraps around the proteins and these, And I mean, you have to use all the vocabulary words and it takes 60 seconds and I'm filming them. I'm hitting, I'm hitting start and stop on each kid and they come through and it takes one class period. I do a whole set of students. I upload the videos to Google Drive and the teacher now has a, a video for every single student uh, where they were filmed in VR and they were actually pointing at parts of the molecules and the DNA strands. And, like, I, it's insane. Uh, and she can sit there and mark at home. And she can do her whole formative assessment. And she, all she did was send her kids to my desk uh, in groups of three.
2: Uh, David, is that the thing I have on my blog?
0: Yeah. that's. Okay. I think uh, you're looking at one of the students talking about one of the –
2: neuroplasm use- is something i don't know
1: not
2: and i actually am adding that to the chromebook infused classroom i hope that's okay so Bryn, your turn
1: <laughs> so yeah that nano is super cool and for biology as well because they can make proteins that's i think it was so a biology that's, class. That's, that's super interesting that you do using that mixed reality as well and using it for assessment and like the, the students there have gained an entirely new competency Right, have super high level competency as well as doing their normal assessment. Because you could just give them a, a pass paper, right? Do the same thing. But they've, well, they've got so much return, more out of that and they've learned exactly. so much more.
0: The alternative is a flat thing that they have to
1: label.
2: A one-dimensional compared to three. or You know?
1: Yeah, another science one, uh, Holly. Well, there's two other science ones. One is uh, use share care. And there's another one called Organon. VR and I'm not sure whether I've, I showed you these before or not but they're, they're both uh, biology ones where you, you basically you can see the, the human body replicated uh, in VR and you can pull structures in and the skeletal structure or the respiratory system or the cardiovascular system and then you a, uh, you can fly inside the heart and you can fly inside the eye the lungs oh, and, uh, nice. and it'll allow you That's to so It'll allow you to pull in, uh, like, you can look, you can actually, like, create a disease. You can put diseases into the heart. Oh. You can see what, uh, you know, cardiovascular disease actually looks like on the external part of the heart and on the internal part of the heart.
2: I think what so that, that will entrance. do for future health if you know that what you're eating is going to do that because you've seen it and experienced it. Oh. Anyway, keep going, Bryn. Sorry. Well, for,
1: well, yeah, at some point they'll be able to. Well, they can do an MRI now, right, and they can create an image of that. But at some point, doctors will be able to see that in in VR as well, right? Be able to step inside and and look and and see your heart in real time, like as it's beating, which is another whole like area of of the world which is going to change. But they, that's, I think, that's why that's another reason to embed like high end VR is that I think there are going to be jobs created that don't exist yet where if your if your students that you're putting out into the world have got these skills already right the competencies that you know david was talking about with that student that student goes out into the world and has got that already and you go to university and you know the professor says okay who's used this before and our students are the ones who put their hands up then they're the ones who are gonna Mm
2: -hmm.
1: kind of lead lead Mm -hmm. that part of of whatever profession that is or whatever area of knowledge that is.
2: If you wouldn't mind, tell me a little bit about what you're doing in the elementary level, because that's always been interesting to me.
1: So uh, tomorrow I'm going to go set up in the morning. um, The the students are doing migration. Um, And I've used uh, that, that you share care when they were doing about the human body. Actually, we, we set that up in the maker space. Uh, and we rotated class through it, classes through it. And I made a video. I think I put, I put a video on Twitter yeah. before about showing that. Uh, but tomorrow I'm going to go set up they're doing migration as a unit. Um, and the one, of the one of the grade four teachers uh, is going to have it in her room at, uh, at some point during the week so she can move individual kids through it because uh, we're going to trial and test that and see how that goes. But I'm also going to put it in, in like a central area of our school uh, in our elementary school which we call the rose carpet um, and i'm going to put it there and have it there for everybody to use so teachers can use it and parents can use it and kids can use it and almost like as a movie kind of screening it's like a private screening of a movie uh, and it'll be the uh, one of the united nations high commission refugee 360 videos so it's not going to be like massively interactive uh, but if you've if you've got the, the high-end headsets on and you, you're you watching these movies in VR, it is, it's a lot different from doing Google Cardboard. Um, so the, the intention there is to give kids, you know, to, the, the desired impact for us is to, uh, you know, have students demonstrate some perspective and empathy for the experiences of refugees and for migrants, uh, ra- you know, rather than showing them a video or, Having them read about it in a book or, or something, like try to engage them with the complex issue of migration. Uh, and the video that we're going to show is is a shoot, you know, is a, a little girl essentially the same age as them. Uh, so the the intention, the hope is that they'll they'll you know, this will allow them to better understand what it means to be a migrant.
2: And it brings in empathy. And as we move to this AI world and this VR world. Uh, world computers are going to be able to do a lot of things and one of the things i don't think they're going to be able to do is have an empathetic mindset so it's really important that we teach that
1: yeah well last week i spent time with the school and and one of their you know mission goals and learning goals and i think almost every school now has got the word empathy that appears somewhere right and it's mm-hmm. in its mission or its vision or core values or beliefs what do we actually do to to actually create that in, in that impact in the mind of a, of a student right like how many things that you can you point to in the curriculum there'll be service learning and there'll be there'll be other opportunities that facilitate that but in the actual taught curriculum how many opportunities are there for kids to really engage and and you know demonstrate some empathy so i think like that's another thing that perhaps vr is going to help uh, do is to take that 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 learning goal that is almost in it's you know it's ubiquitous in it in every school's ambition and, and it allows schools to actually kind of embed that in in classes rather than having to, you know, create lots of extra service well, yeah. on top of all the extra service learning and stuff.
2: So Bryn, um, and David, I was reading uh AI superpowers and I, I have some of the same talking points I feel like lately but Kai-Fu Lee who wrote it he's from China said that in the next decade what we're going to experience in rapid change will be akin to um, having electricity and not like that's going to be the drastic change in the world and um, can you see this with what you're seeing in VR with with these HTC vibes?
0: Yeah the story that I like to tell is that talking to my grandma, who's 94 years old. And she told me a story about growing up um, in the farmhouse and how they didn't have indoor plumbing. And I said, man, grandma, wasn't that crazy? And she said, no. I mean, not the the answer I was expecting to hear from my grandma. She's like, no, I didn't know any other thing. I didn't know any other way. And then when we moved into town, we had indoor plumbing. And she was like, this is amazing. This is magical. I can't believe I ever lived without this. Of course. Um, That's when I put a headset on a high schooler, I can almost like mouth what they say, like lip sync the reaction of every single kid that I put in this. They go, wow, whoa, cool. Can I? And they, they, they take their real hands and they go out and try and touch something. But when you put it on like a little monk skin kid, when you put it on like one of the little littles, they're not even that like blown away. They're like, oh, but it's it's cool to them, but they haven't lived long enough without it. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I think as soon as you start to see these become more widespread, it's going to be hard not to expect it. Just like when we started teaching and we would show a video in our class yeah, and we wanted the students to be like, guys, this should be blowing you away. This video is amazing. I would have lectured on this for 45 minutes and you can see this five-minute video and you get to learn all about it. What Bryn's talking about is just the next step to that. I don't know if I consider like having electricity and not having electricity because what the, I think that what that person isn't keeping up with is the rate at which technology makes things available. Um, processors are getting so so good. They're, they're talking about the next Vive being released um, not needing a computer. like like the processor is in the headset and you would just need the headset and cameras track your body and space. The biggest problem right now is you have this big long umbilical cord attached to a $2,000 computer sitting on a desk somewhere. The Vive really isn't that expensive. Probably. You can go out and get a Vive package used for like 300 bucks. They're not that much what? money. Yeah. But you have to hook house. it up to a computer. You have uh, to hook it up to a computer with like a <laughs> ball and graphics card. That's the problem. Uh, the access has nothing to do with the actual new equipment that's out there. It's not even really what we're talking about is like two HD screens inside your eyeballs, like right next to your eyes. And then these just like infrared trackers that are just shooting waves at you and tracking where you are in space. It's the technology isn't that mind blowing. What, what allowed for it was the graphics cards in the computers and the HDMI cables that ran to your headset that's allowed this to really
1: come about. Have you, have you guys seen uh, Google Stadia?
2: No, tell me how you saw that.
1: So, so I think what, they, what they're going to try and do is, you know how like PlayStation or Xbox, you have to buy a system, don't you? You buy like a piece of hardware and then you have to buy software. And you, in the olden days, you used to buy a CD and you'd stick the CD in. And now like with PlayStation or Xbox or whatever, you go to the store and you just download the game. Uh, and you you have you have the a copy of the game on your hard disk to run it. Uh, but Google Stadia basically what what that does is they're predicting that the internet will be so fast that it'll just be able to stream a game, and you won't need a device. You won't need like you'll need a, a controller. So they have a controller with bl- a Bluetooth connection. So think about what what's got Bluetooth: you Mac Book, any any phone. Uh, most TVs now, right? Most smart TVs have have got. Uh, well, most TVs have got Bluetooth connections, and so Google Stadia, you will sign in, just like you sign into Netflix uh, or some other some other you know streaming service, and you will be able to play every game instantaneously, just just through the speed of the internet. So yeah. I think, like, if you think about, uh, like David said, really a headset, what it is is just a high def screen. And the computer and the graphics card are the things that are doing all the work. But if the internet does all of the work, and you're just streaming the images into the high-def screens, then you remove all the need for the hardware. So I think that, ultimately, that's kind of what's going to happen. I think Here's
0: my prediction. Here's my, I'm, I hope this is recorded. AppleBot yes. beef. Here's, here's what's happening. I would say in the next five years, you'll see an Apple VR headset that connects to exactly what Bryn is saying that type of network that's got beats audio built right in. It's going to be beautiful. You'll start to see companies dropping their own headsets. Kids are going to have their own headsets. It's just going to become like a laptop only now it's a headset because there's even apps that you download that are just a virtual desktop. Like you've got multiple monitors in front of you that have like Google Chrome on them. They each have like a little keyboard in front of them. You can even have a keyboard in front of you in real life and just type on it. Like, already you could just sit with a headset on at your desk and be at a better desk.
2: Bryn and I had a conversation a while back where Bryn said something about VR being confrontational. And I want to take that and go into episode two. I think we've learned a little bit right now about VR and what it's doing. I want to um s- say goodbye and um head over to episode two where we're going to talk about is vr confrontational and why this statement because i think um there's really good lessons in that so thank you for joining us on part one so we learned a little bit about htc vibe we're going to continue the conversation uh right now uh in episode two thanks so much guys Thank you for listening
0: to the Infused Classroom podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or anywhere you get podcasts. Keep up with the conversation by using the hashtag Infused Classroom on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure to check out infusedclassroom.com. See you next time.
2: Okay, uh, welcome to the Infused Classroom podcast where we are talking a little more about VR. And I'm Holly Clark.